0: And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is January 19th, 2022. And our first story, The Letter... From all of those doctors smearing Joe Rogan and demanding he be censored was a hoax. Only 87 actually practiced medicine. Some of these people were just podcasters. But sure enough, the media uses it to claim doctors are concerned. The truth is Joe Rogan is speaking to young people and freedom is winning. In our next story, 5G cell technology is causing chaos at airports as airlines cancel flights And in general, are just collapsing. Green New Deal or Great Reset. They both want a limitation on airlines. Well, they seem to be getting their wish. And in our last story, I hate to talk about it, but we got swatted again. So I'm going to address that issue. The second swatting that happened the other night. And, um, you know, it's getting real out there, man. 2022 will be nuts. If you like the show, give us a good review. Seriously, it does help us. It is important. And tell your friends about the show. Now, let's get into that first story. A story recently dropped about an open letter signed by 270 medical experts calling on Spotify to stop Joe Rogan's dangerous misinformation. It's not the first time there have been attempts to censor Joe Rogan, and perhaps this is why it's smart of Joe to have left YouTube and go to Spotify where he has a contract. But it turned out shortly after that some of the people on this list weren't actually medical experts, and thus we rightly mocked them. And now it's getting worse because people have actually taken the time to dig through the list and they found actually a minority of the individuals on this letter are medical experts. Most of them have no real medical expertise. In fact, some of them are podcasters. One, one person, I think more than one, dentist. So, okay, I guess technically you can say they're medical experts. There's a reason why this is significant. You see, the other day we had Andy No on Timcast IRL, our more conversational podcast, And we discussed how he was sued for stealing videos from journalists. The lawsuit was very quickly withdrawn. But as soon as the lawsuit was filed, it allowed the media to say, Andy No sued for stealing content from journalists. As far as most people are concerned when they read that, they assume he did that and was sued because of it. He didn't. The lawsuit was frivolous. And thus, it was withdrawn. The goal of this hoax... Writing this letter and having it signed by random nobodies with no expertise was so that the media could write a wave of stories saying medical experts call on Spotify, blah, blah, blah. And then one of these outlets breaks down why this is so important, something I did not know. Now, talking about Joe Rogan, he's he's a podcast host. I get it. He's the biggest podcast host in the world. I know the guy, I consider him a friend, and I appreciate the things he said uh, about me in defense of me in the past, and I appreciate uh, him having me on the show and stuff. So I-, I tend not to like to do segments about this, but there is a very important data point, which is political. Joe Rogan's audience, average age, is purported to be 24. No, seriously, 24. Now, I don't know if that's true or whatever, but here's a dude who's getting on average 11 million views per episode, majority 24 years old. That is younger than my show. Timcast IRL gets most of its audience 18 to, I think, 54, but... I think a third is 25 to 54, followed by slightly less 18 to 24. So most of our viewers are in that age range. Actually, I think it's much more than that. I think it's like 80 to 90 percent are 18 to 54. The biggest group being around my age, 20, 25 to 54, and then the small, uh, and then the next biggest 18 to 24. So that's really, really good that we're getting younger people. But Joe Rogan's getting way younger people than than even I get on YouTube. And maybe it's because we talk hard politics, but the the fact is they're going after Joe Rogan because Gen Z, the next generation, it's the future. This is how you affect change. You can sit there all day and night screaming at millennials like I do, saying, hey, do this, do that, or otherwise. And will that really bring about profound change? I mean, somewhat waking people up and informing them is a good thing. But going after young people, targeting a younger generation means when they age up into their mid-30s, and take control of the political and corporate reins in this country, those changes will become prominent. You see, when millennials started aging into the workforce, all of a sudden, wokeness erupts. Gen Z is still particularly woke. But interestingly, we have data suggesting they're pulling away from that. For the first time in like 100 years, a generation is slightly more conservative in some areas than the previous. We've not seen this before, at least in the past century. With Joe Rogan reaching these people, telling them hard truths and challenging mainstream narratives, it means that these young people in 10 years will age into the workforce and we're going to win. The the values that you and I share, liberty, personal freedom, etc., many of these young people share as well. And if they're getting their their information and their worldview from someone like Joe Rogan, they're going to be more inquisitive, more challenging of authority. And thus, a hoax was staged to try and get him banned. It didn't work, but this is what's happening. So let's do this. Let's talk about what this hoax was. And then I'll show you what's going on politically with this data. And I think explains exactly why they are desperate to do something about Joe Rogan. But here's the problem. Joe Rogan may be the most famous comedian in the world. Now I know Dave Chappelle is the GOAT, Okay, the greatest of all time, for sure. And Joe Rogan may be second to Dave Chappelle, but Joe's more famous. I mean, Dave Chappelle is like famous, famous, but Joe Rogan has the biggest podcast in the world. So he's famous for not just being a comedian. So what I should say is Joe Rogan may be one of the most famous people on the planet. He happens to be a comedian. Let's read this news. Let me break this down for you. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member in order to support the journalism we do here at the TimCast Studio, Cast Castle. You will also support my work in these videos. And you will get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast over at TimCast.com. So sign up. Support our work. But don't forget, like this video right now. Subscribe to this channel. Share this video right now with everyone you can, anywhere you can. Let them know what they're doing. Explain to them why. Especially if you're a fan of mine or a fan of Joe's, it really, really does help. Let's read this story from TimCast.com. Most of the 270 signatories on the letter calling for censorship of Joe Rogan are not medical doctors. An open letter was sent to Spotify last week asking them to take action against Joe Rogan for misinformation regarding COVID. Two hundred. And 70 self-proclaimed doctors co-signed an open letter to Spotify urging the company to take action against podcast host Joe Rogan for promoting so-called COVID-related misinformation. Mainstream media rushed to circulate the letter, and many prominent outlets actively ran headlines calling Rogan a menace to public health. However, a closer look found. And most of the signatories are either not direct medical providers or are not legally permitted to practice medicine on their own. Some of them are podcast hosts. So sure. How about I get a letter of anyone and anyone and will say experts call on Spotify to promote Joe Rogan? Will the media report that? No, of course not. They say almost 100 signatories claim to have Ph.D. degrees, but do not regularly practice. The criticism-laden letter was sent in response to a recent episode of Joe Rogan's podcast that featured virologist and immunologist Dr. Robert Malone. Malone criticized the vaccine during the viral episode and voiced concerns over mass formation psychosis. I will say, sure, he criticized it in some ways, but I think he was rather tempered in his approach, and he actually uh, uh, defended it in some ways. Dr. Robert Malone, I believe, is, triple, is vaccinated. I don't know if he got the booster. I think he did. And I'll tell you this. Joe's position has very much been, talk to a doctor. You know, he's given his, his, his some advice before, and, and then he's regretted it. And he said, just, you know, get, get sound medical advice. But he's asked why it is, and so has Dana White. And certain treatments are harder to get than others. He's asking questions and bringing on doctors and having these conversations. Silencing conversations does not hide the information. Or as Tyrion Lannister said, Cutting out, a man, cutting out a man's tongue does not prove him wrong. It simply proves he says something for which you will fear or, or, some, or you, you fear what he has to say. Something to that effect. They're going to say media outlets, including The Guardian, Forbes, Rolling Stone, The Washington Post and others published content highlighting the letter to Spotify. The articles describe an influential coalition of doctors who requested that Spotify implement a misinformation policy. Upon review, only 87 of the signatories are actual medical doctors. It was the news site, The Blaze, that first reported the detail. The remaining 183 signatories include nurse practitioners. Okay, I'll give some respect to nurse practitioners. They can't prescribe medication. Veterinarians. Okay, well, they can prescribe medications to animals. So a dentist. Okay, well, dentists can prescribe some things for your mouth and teeth. And about 100 PhDs and PhD candidates, psychologists, Physicians, assistants, medical students, engineers, and podcast hosts were also part of the list. The group's letter urged Spotify to take action against mass misinformation events on its platform. The group criticized Rogan for propagating misleading and false claims on his podcast, provoking distrust in science and medicine throughout the pandemic. The group also remarked that Dr. Malone had been suspended from Twitter for a similar pattern of misinformation.
1: Quote,
0: Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Joe Rogan has repeatedly spread misleading and false claims on his podcast, Provoking Distrust in Science and Medicine, says the letter. This is not only a scientific or medical concern, it is a sociological issue of devastating proportions, and Spotify is responsible for allowing this activity to thrive on its platform. Rogan's show is exclusive to Spotify. The show became a target of the left-leaning media throughout the pandemic. Last week, former MSNBC host Keith Olbermann called him the stupidest effing guy on the planet. Which is funny coming from Keith Olbermann, because Joe Rogan may not be the smartest guy on the planet, but he's certainly an inquisitive guy, and that says a lot more about Joe uh, that that he that he strives to 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 find out answers. And Keith Olbermann is a he's kind of he's kind of out there. Just put it that way. He's he's angry and deluded. CNN invited one of the signatories from the letter to speak on an effort. Uh, about their effort on the network's struggling morning show, New a uh, New Day. During the episode, co-host Brianna Kaler ridiculed Rogan for moving the goalposts after a recent guest fact-checked him. I will tell you, my friends, it's almost pointless to even bring this up. And I questioned, should I even discuss the issue about Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan gets, I think, 20 times the viewership that I get per episode. If we include clips, you know, reposts and stuff, unique audience-wise... He's like 10 times bigger than us, but I think 20 times is a more accurate approach. I don't know how they do the calculations, but we get around half a million viewers. He gets 11 million. So, you know, you do the math and uh, it's a massive show. You don't need to hear it from me, but I can break down for you the politics of this in an important way. Take a look at this article from The Independent, a left-leaning news website from the UK. Spotify under fire amid silence on misinformation from podcast star Joe Rogan. The experts called on the audio mega giant to address misinformation on its platform. Let me show you this story from KDVR. Doctors call out Spotify over false and societally harmful assertions. Doctors? Sure, PhD doctors. And veterinarians? A dentist. Look, some of these people are experts, and that's fine. But the letter is a manipulation. It's like I mentioned with Andy No, The goal is to get this headline out there. To smear Joe to try and make him look bad. But you know what? Who cares? Joe Rogan's bigger than you. I think even Joe himself mentioned this when it came to CNN. He was like, don't you realize I have more viewers than you? You say this stuff, people aren't going to believe you. And not only that, Joe Rogan has more viewers than CNN by a massive amount. He also has, well, honest people on, in, 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 in independent media who are willing to point out the lies and the manipulation. He also has other prominent, high-profile friends. Friends in high places. In this story from Sporf, I don't know what Sporf is, they say Dana White gets called out by reporter for backing up Joe Rogan COVID views. Dana White, UFC guy, very famous, not very political, but when he speaks, a whole different group of people are listening. And he said, you know, people come at him and, they, and for, for defending Joe, And now it's getting harder and harder to to procure monoclonal antibodies. Dana White said he got monoclonal antibodies and it worked for him. Monoclonal antibodies are an emergency use authorized treatment for COVID. I've received it as well. Joe Rogan didn't make me take any drugs or anything. I just talked to him and he told me to take COVID seriously and, and try and find a local doctor that will actually treat it. And I did. I mean, it's not really complicated. I was like, I talked to Joe, and Joe's like, here's what I did. And I was like, all right, all right. You know, if you think it works, uh, I'll talk to a doctor and see what makes sense for me. And I talked to a doctor, and they gave me slightly different advice, but very similar. Same is true for Dana White. Dana White listens to Joe. Dana White speaks. People listen. People love UFC. I'm not the biggest UFC fan, but I got to tell you, it is really fun to go with my friends to B-dubs when the fight is on, and we get wings, and we're sitting there, and we're watching the fight. It's fun, man. It's it's fun and it's entertaining and it speaks to regular people who are trying to escape the mundanity of everyday life, who are just trying to find some reprieve, but they can't because around every corner is some lunatic screaming in their face. But then you hear Dana White and he says, look, man, I talked to Joe and, and, and this is a really amazing thing with Dana White because he, he calls out this reporter. He calls out the reporter back. The reporter like you a doctor and he goes, no, but I got treated with this. It worked for me. So why can't I get it? And then he says, I'll tell you this, I bet I could easily get pain pills prescribed by a doctor. All he's saying is, how come they're changing? And he's asking this question. Dana White's not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Joe is not a doctor. But there are doctors who are giving people treatments and prescriptions the media does not like. I always say this, I don't think you should get your advice from Joe on medical issues. I think you should look into what he's saying, see if he's, what he's telling you is true, I disagree with Joe. I went on his show a couple months ago and we disagreed on some stuff. We disagreed, but that's fine. We get along in that disagreement. We have honest arguments and we try to just navigate the truth. I think you should talk to a trusted doctor. I think you should find a, a good medical practice. And I'll tell you this, you know what I love? If you're going to buy stocks, I can't tell you what to buy. But if it were me, I'd be buying what Nancy Pelosi's buying. And if I was going to get medical treatment, I'd take a look at what Congress is, is getting for their medical treatment right? The millionaires, the billionaires, and the elites, I would do what they do. I would, I would buy stock the way they buy stock. But that's just me. Ultimately, though, yeah, I talked to a doctor. We had a doctor out here. We're, you know, um, a, a private practice, local. And they were like, here's what we think we should do. And then we got treatment for it. But let me show you this. From the Independent, once again, these experts say Joe Rogan is extraordinarily dangerous to society. Here's why. The 54-year-old podcast host has unique influence, scientists and physicians tell Andrew Buncombe. Now, this is where it's fascinating. One said it was the vast size of his audience that made him so dangerous. Another suggested it was the fact the average age of his listeners was just 24, and hence, particularly persuadable. Another said he appeared to have a cult of personality. One said he had repeatedly spread misinformation about COVID and ignored calls to stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is the average age of Joe Rogan's listener 24 years old? Wow. If that's the case, my friends, you should send a thank you letter. Well, no, don't actually. But you should tweet out how much you appreciate Joe Rogan for just being himself. I don't think Joe wakes up in the morning and he's like, I'm going to challenge the establishment and try and save the world. I think he's just a dude. And I got to be honest, knowing him, Having hung, you know, hung out with him on his show a few times. He came on my show. I'm eternally grateful for that. He's he's done me a tremendous uh, service and favor by having me on his show, helping me to expand my company. And many people say they found out about my work through Joe Rogan. It's kind of crazy though, because I he's he's a dude. He's a funny guy. He's a hardworking guy. And here we are, just talking about the importance of this comedian challenging the system and basically helping keep us free. It's weird, isn't it? But you know what? Maybe it's not. Is it any weirder to be like this politician? Rand Paul, he filibusters. We support him as a leader. Why? Because he's a politician? I'm a fan of Rand Paul. I think he's a good dude. I think he works hard. I think he's principled. I'm a fan of his dads. I don't agree with a lot of their political positions, their policy positions, but I agree with them on freedom and telling the government to shove off. Just because Joe Rogan's a comedian, we're supposed to be like, He's not an important leader on the issue of freedom. Now he is. I mean, he is. And, and, the, and the left can get mad about it. But Joe Rogan may be one of the most important people as it pertains to this fight. So as much as I mentioned that I don't like talking about other shows and podcasts and things like that, the reality is what Joe Rogan is doing is something much bigger. It may be the most important journalism that we have in the world. Hyperbole? Perhaps. Joe... Would say he's not a journalist. Yo, Joe, you are. You are interviewing people. You are doing research. You are asking questions. Journalists at the root are collecting and disseminating information. There have been many famous journalists who just do interviews with people. This is what Joe does. Sometimes he's wrong. There you go. He's bringing out people of various expertise and getting to the root of their issues. He is one of the best at what he does. As much as people might like watching my show and think we, you know, I think we're a little bit too in the weeds. We're very esoteric on a lot of this heavy political stuff. Joe reaches the regular person. Right place, right time, right guy, right worldview. Tremendous respect and gratitude towards Joe. But let's talk about what's going on and why this age group is so important. Take a look at this story from the Hispanic Heritage Foundation from 2016. They say 50,000 Gen Z students identify as Republican. They they looked at 100,000 Gen Z, and they found the majority identified as Republicans back in 2016. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's crazy. What does that mean for the future moving forward? Gen Z will start getting older. They're in their mid to late 20s by the time they're in their mid-30s and start inheriting the, the, the world and, and po- politics, you're going to see this country become more conservative. Which is to say, the millennial generation, in my opinion, is a lost generation. You got a lot of crazy crackpot millennials. And you know it. And you're a millennial too, aren't you? Most of you are. I know it. And I look to Gen Z. There are some things I'm really worried about. And there are some things I'm not so worried about. Younger people... Being Republican, well, I don't like the Republicans, to be completely honest. And they are better than Democrats, at least for now. So perhaps Gen Z is not so much Republican as they are libertarian-minded, opposing of the of the racist social justice trash coming from the, from the left. Maybe they're like you and me, and they're watching videos on YouTube, and they're saying, yeah, we don't like that stuff either. And they're listening to Joe Rogan, who's like, I don't like that stuff either. And thus, as these young people grow up, It's going to get crazy. Take a look at this. What do we know about Gen Z from Pew Research? This is from 2020. They say one in four members of Gen Z are Hispanic. Now, this is where we get some really interesting racial demographics. In early boomers, 1969, 82% were white. Gen Xers, 70% were white. In millennials, 61% were white. In Gen Z... Only 52% of Gen Z is white. Now, that's really interesting. I don't know if that's because white people tend not to have kids. It may be the case. Or if it's because of I- immigration. Either way, this is extremely good news for freedom-loving and liberty-minded individuals. Now, of course, you'll hear, I don't know, like white nationalists being like, Oh, no. Oh, geez. Yeah, well, you know, look, too bad. Maybe, maybe if, if white people want to have more kids... Then that, that's your answer. But I'm talking politics because me personally, I don't care about the racial breakdown of any of this stuff. I don't care if Gen Z is white, Hispanic, black, Asian, or otherwise. I care about their values. I care. I, I, I actually like diversity. I like the idea of real diversity, not this <clears throat> crackpot cult diversity, inclusivity, and equity die cult nonsense. No, I mean like more people from different backgrounds with legitimate, genuine, different perspectives but of shared freedom values, a robust country it makes. It's a really, really good thing for us. With many people coming to the United States, believing in freedom and wanting freedom, many people fleeing communism and socialism, this bodes very well for us. I don't care if they're Hispanic or Asian or black or whatever. If they come here and say personal responsibility, freedom, we strive for that when we come here. I'm like, yes, we want all of those immigrants who believe in that stuff to bolster our views and our values. And in fact, it is predominantly white liberals who hold the communistic, psychotic views that are destroying everything. But I'll be honest with you. I don't think race plays a big issue. Yeah, it plays a role. I I think certainly race plays a role to a certain extent. Meh, I, I think we need to instill values in people. And what we're seeing now is something truly amazing from the Wall Street Journal. Hispanic voters are now evenly bl- split between parties, Wall Street Journal finds. We have this from the Intelligencer. Democrats are losing ground with Hispanic voters. My, oh, my. Gen Z has a large, it's a large portion, 25% Hispanic. Hispanics are starting to swing towards conservative, Republican. There's good and there's bad there, but mostly good. They're probably going to want smaller government. We saw it in Miami. A safe blue district, D plus four, Democrat plus four district, voted Republican and like deep Republican. Why? Because they don't want communism and socialism. And so the children of the Venezuelan and Cuban parents, these Hispanic individuals, and the people who fled countries like Honduras, who said, we know how bad it gets, believe in America, fight for America. And they're gonna. And that means our values of freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the Second Amendment, are going to win. And you know what? We're actually seeing it. The Second Amendment is growing stronger by the day. Free speech on the forefront, I believe, grows stronger by the day. I'm looking at all this, and I'm optimistic. The Joe Rogan smear attempt, the hoax, miserably failed. Nobody falls for this. The media can pop out whatever trash they want, but I'm sorry. They're going after the white progressives and the boomers, but they're aging out. Take a look at this from 2019 Pew. Gen Z and millennials differ from older generations in views on Trump, role of government, and growing diversity in the U.S. 30% of Gen Z approved of Trump in 2019, compared to only 29% of millennials. Now, this isn't every metric they tracked, but it shows for the first time or I should say, from the silent generation boomer Gen-, Gen X, Gen Z actually approved of Trump more than millennials. However, 70% of Gen Z thinks the government should be more involved in solving problems. Millennials were only 64%. And Gen Z 62% believe in diversity as a good thing for society versus Millennials 61%. Did you know fast-growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? But I have to wonder, is that just because Gen Z is more like me, right? That's, I think, diversity, real diversity, diversity of opinion and perspective is a good thing. I don't think homogenizing, like when they they put out Black Panther and most of the cast is black and then all these leftists are calling it a diverse film. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's still racially homogenous. A truly diverse film is going to be like, look, did you guys see the new Ghostbusters movie? I thought they hit the nail on the head with the hammer. I loved it. The new Ghostbusters crew—they were young kids, and you had—they uh, were—they were mixed gender and race—and I'm like that. It wasn't part of the plot. They didn't come out and be like, "This kid's an Asian, and this is why being Asian is important." They just happened to have had an Asian kid there, and I was like, "See, that's how you do it, man." I like diversity. I like—I I like the idea that we don't homogenize our worldviews, our perspectives. And there, there's a problem inherently in the left's view of diversity because they believe race race is required for diversity. Now, I understand that someone from Ukraine and someone from Ireland will bring us diverse perspectives, but the left would just call them both white. Although now I guess Slavic people are people of color because their definitions are bankrupt and make no sense. But someone from Italy, Spain, France, the UK, they're going to have very different perspectives. Someone from Eastern Russia which is north of China, is going to have a very different perspective. And someone from China will have a different perspective from someone from, say, Mexico. That's diversity. Differing opinions based on different experiences. And when we can draw from that, we do become stronger. We see it in genetics. It's called hybrid vigor. The more diverse a gene pool is, to a certain extent, improves the strength of the offspring. Go too far, everything falls apart. And I think that makes sense, too. You can't take someone from an authoritarian despotic regime, bring them to the U.S. and be like, they're a different skin color, therefore diversity. And It's like uh, now they're fighting because their worldviews are too different. So when it comes to diversity, we do want very different worldviews, perspectives and knowledge and wisdom. But we also want to make sure that we're not going to clash. Someone who's, you know, conservative and religious to an extreme degree, maybe from a Wahhabist country or something like Saudi Arabia, they're not going to really get along with someone who's, you know, marching for pride in Boys Town in Chicago or something like that. And that's where we try to be careful because we don't want fighting. When, when you are too different, people can fight. And it's a shame. And I wish it wasn't that way. But that's how we get war, tribalism people being different and understanding each other and not willing to compromise. But when we can get close enough to where we agree to live in peace and we share values, then diversity truly is a strength. Well, that being said, Gen Z certainly has that view of things. But according to this poll, and I've brought it up many times, uh, it actually looks like Gen Z is slightly more conservative than millennials. One big factor in this is that conservatives are more likely to have kids. With that being said, The only way the left will persist with their ideology is through schools. But conservatives are winning that battleground. I got to tell you, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Strauss-Howe generational theory predicts that the climax of the fourth turning will come to, to completion in 2028. I think it all makes sense. I think it all lines up. I do think things are going to get worse. You know, look, we got swatted twice. We had someone... Sneak into our property. We we were told by police it was actually a burglary. Very serious stuff. We've been hit by cyber attacks. I think it's going to get worse. But that's because the night is always darkest before the dawn. And as the next generation is more conservative, more believing in freedom, and is aging into the workforce, by 2028, when these people are, uh, these younger people, now are older, more dominant in the workplace, I think we're going to get a return back to our values. And this could save the United States It could pull us back from the brink of any kind of real civil collapse. I think it might be be bad in this country in some kind of civil war sense, because we certainly have a culture war. But maybe I shouldn't be so adamant that we're going to face real hard physical or kinetic conflict because of the next generation watching Joe Rogan being influenced by someone like him. As much as some people might think it's silly and insult the guy, I think it's fantastic. Because I'm a fan of Joe's show. I think he does a fantastic job, even when I don't agree. There's that level of freedom. There's a bit of levity. There's fun. It's relaxing. There's personal responsibility in all of this. And these young people are going to grow up and they're going to have those values. So I think, ultimately, we'll win. Those who believe in freedom, personal responsibility, the founding fathers, the Constitution. And you look at Joe and he's a pretty left guy. But he's the right kind of left, the left that is willing to sit down with Ben Shapiro and have an honest discussion, even when they disagree. Then we can move forward. I'm excited for it, man. I look forward to it. But of course, you need to understand that's why they'll smear him. That's why, they'll, that's why they lie about what Joe's opinions are. It's why they'll lie about his show. It's why they will lie about uh, um, why he should be banned and then push for him to be banned or censored in some way. Maybe Joe made a good move moving to Spotify because now he's in a prominent platform, regardless of the size. You know, because I've said in the past, he lost a lot of key podcast real estate by doing it. But he's, he's well paid and protected. I wonder about this. You know, I've said Joe needs to make sure his voice lives on beyond his show because his dude's 54, right? How long's he going to do this show for? I mean, he could, be, he could end up really old like Larry King doing his show. But I feel like Joe needs to start something. His own podcast network, his own comedy network, his own political comedy show, something where he can empower other voices who have similar opinions to him. And then I, I i guess people point out that, you know, Joe having me on the show several times has effectively allowed my platform to grow and carry on maybe a bit more esoteric and more in the weeds style of content. But Joe having people like me on is doing that job. It is allowing new voices. I mean, Tim Dillon, you know, I've, I've had my disagreements with him but he's certainly pushed back on this stuff and he's doing very, very well and Joe has him on as as well. And in the end, all of these young people who listen to his show will be influenced by him and they'll make their own shows. And then in the end, comedy will come back, edgy humor will come back and the despots will lose. So of course, they need to stage a hoax to get Joe banned. You know what, Joe, if you're listening, it is kind of weird to do a show and to do constant segments talking about the work you do, but I just gotta say, it does seem strange, but Joe, your show is probably the most important cultural uh, art uh, uh, piece of uh, whatever that we have, and isn't it, it's, it's weird that there's one person in that position, but there are people who know Trump; they view Trump as that leader. There are people who look at politicians, view politicians as those leaders, and I think it's just fair to admit that. Joe Rogan gets the attention, is center of discussion in this because it's important people understand the work he's doing, whether he's trying to lead the free world or not. People literally call him the leader of the free world. Isn't that crazy? Because it ain't Joe, it ain't Joe Biden. No, Joe Rogan. That's what people said when he came on the show in November. And all and all, he has to do is just be a funny guy who asks questions. And really, I guess it's all it takes. Same thing is for all of you. That's the message I'll, I'll leave you with. Just speak up. Be fearless. This guy's got a family. They go after him every day, and he keeps doing his show. You can do it, too. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCastIRL. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Last night, as we were ending the TimCast IRL show, the live portion, we got notified that we had been swatted again. For those that aren't familiar, swatting is when someone calls the police with a fake report claiming that something extreme is happening, and the goal is to get the police to come in and kill you. And it's happened before. There was a guy who, uh, uh, two people were arguing on the internet. Someone gave a fake address saying, you know, do something about it. The other guy called in a swatting incident, and the police showed up to a random person's home because the address was fake. And some guy walked out after hearing the cops, and they shot and killed him. They killed him. Swatting is attempted murder. It, it may be a little hyperbolic. I, I don't know. I, I don't like saying it, but a lot of people keep saying like, yo, they're trying to get you killed by doing this. And they did it again last night. Uh, I'm not going to get into the full details. The first time we got swatted only it was like 12 days ago. It was right after we hosted Marjorie Taylor Green. It happened live on camera. You know, we had the cops walk through the room. You see Luke, you know, he's talking on the show. And then the cop walks past and we're like, what just happened? And then, you know, I get up from the show. The show is disrupted. We had planned a bunch of segments. And the police, sure enough, there were like eight officers going through the house. There were state troopers. There were like different. There was p- local police. There was sheriff. There was state. We got sweated last night. And I'm not going to get into the full details. This time it wasn't. Uh, uh, it, it was during the show. But uh, uh, they didn't come into the studio. But it was worse uh, what happened. And uh, I'm I'm not going to get into the full details for security reasons. Uh, We've also we also had a a guy uh, sneak into the house and then lie and make a video. He's trying to make himself famous or whatever, but uh, he trespassed. And so I I think I, I have to address this stuff. There's been a lot of people who are saying we should never talk about it. We shouldn't make content out of it. We shouldn't bring it up. And we've had those discussions. So we got swatted after hosting Marjorie Taylor Greene, which you may have seen. And uh, so Marjorie Taylor Greene came on the 5th. I thought we had an excellent conversation, but of course, there are people who really don't like her. She was getting inundated with death threats the following day. Here's what I think happens on January 5th, at 8 p.m., we go live. The show ends at 10 p.m., and then YouTube sees it as formally published at 10 p.m. This means that for most people, the day is almost already over, and many of the notifications going out won't be until the next day. In fact, I would say two-thirds of the views we get on our podcasts happen the following day throughout the day. It makes sense, right? I think that's why we got swatted the first time for hosting Marjorie Taylor Greene. They called in a local police. They called in a suicide hotline. They called state police. They said that two people had been shot and that they were armed and going to kill themselves or something like that. And the police came in and wouldn't take no for an answer, even though it seems like they knew it was a swatting. So the, I guess the, the reason I decided, you know, the reason I said we, we need to talk about this, and bring it up is because it happened live and people were wondering. And I think it's important to let people know what's happening. I think it's, I think it's important people know the, the risks, the dangers, and the psychosis. I don't like making content about me. Uh, I really, really don't. And often, you know, there are stories, there's people tweeting at me, You know, there was a a, a, like I I was trending on Reddit or something. I was on the top post of Reddit and I'll do videos about what's going on in the world. But I do think what we're seeing now with two swatting incidents, a trespassing incident, and we were also hit with cyber attacks as a perfect example of what I've been warning about and the escalation. And it's and it's hitting me directly. So it is about me. But I also think it's the bigger story. And, you know, maybe there's a conflict of interest, but I can provide that personal insight. I think a lot of people will make content about this. They'll talk about what's going on politically. And I think this is extremely, extremely relevant. And it is weird, to be completely honest. You know, James O'Keefe, he came on the show the other day. And I think this is partly, uh, I I mean, I'm I'm not trying to, you know, say this in any way to disrespect Andy, no Libby or James. But I think, you know, their presence is uh, a contributing factor to the swattings. And again, not their fault or anything like that. That's That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we do a show with some of the most prominent independent media calling out the left, the establishment, the cult members, and of course, people will get mad about it. And so it needs to be discussed. There's also the issue of taking this very, very seriously and making sure everyone has an opportunity to know how serious we take this and why uh, uh, you, you put yourselves at risk when you do this. So I'll say, I think last night we got swatted. Uh, it, it, it obviously has something to do with me With people on the show, clearly. But like with Marjorie Taylor Greene, last night, uh, uh, the previous night, we hosted Andy Ngo, Libby Emmons, and James O'Keefe. And these people are reviled by the establishment. Uh, Libby, not as much. She's just the editor-in-chief of the Post Millennial. But of course, she runs the site where Andy Ngo works. And you know, of course, nearly a million followers, James O'Keefe, probably way more had he not been banned from Twitter, and all these platforms. And so this video goes up at 10 p.m., but it's not until yesterday throughout the day that people actually get a chance to see it. And so, of course, I believe what we're seeing is an act of pure desperation. Last night around, uh, uh, as the show was ending, we wrapped up. And then as soon as the show was over, I was told we were swatted. The police did show up. What happened this time worse, but I'm not going to explain what happened because one of the, one of the things you got to understand, the people who are doing this are trying to gauge the response from police and our security. The first time it was very obvious and we had this massive response and I thought it was important. We talk about what happened this time. I'm not going to tell anybody other than, wow, I'll just say that it was worse. People want us dead. I'll put it that I'll, I'll keep, I'll, I'll just, I'll just keep it blunt. People want us dead uh, because this world is being ripped apart uh, because our, our political landscape is on fire because my show and, you know, I, I've, I've, I just broke a million followers on Twitter and it's just, man, it's tough. It really is because, you know, sometimes it's hard to know whether or not it's all worth it when people are, are going to try and destroy everything about you, even like take your life, scare your family and disrupt everything. But this is conflict. This is civil war. A guy broke into the house. Now Let's address this. Some people may have seen it. He's lying. He's trying to claim that he was let in, and it's all just lies because these people are scumbags. Scumbags, man. I'm just pissed off. So we got swatted. We got swatted after Marjorie Taylor Greene comes in. Then we get hit by a DDoS attack. A gigabit attack. No small feat. This, for those that aren't familiar, a distributed denial of service attack is when they flood your network with requests so that it dis- it shuts your internet down. We had Mike Rowe on the show, awesome show, talking about hard work, and we were hit by a DDoS attack. And we have security. People are like, wrong don't you have security, bro?" I don't think people get it. This is a substantial attack on us, repeated. We got hit by a DDoS attack, shut down the show. Our mitigation efforts were even being blocked. It was insane. That blew my mind that we got hit by a, a, an, an international botnet gigabit DDoS. Took the show off the air. We um, pulled out our backups. Show carried on like normal, for the most part. Then we have a guy break into the house. He waited until James O'Keefe and Andy Ngo, uh had entered the property, and then it appears... He snuck on as they were entering, confusing our staff and our security to make it seem like he was part of their group. And because we have a crew come in all at once, we didn't realize. And he went in through, uh, he, 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 look, the way our property is set up, there's an easement. In order to get to the property, to the actual building and studio, you have to drive past another four or five acre property, two of them, in fact. So you're driving about, I don't know, 1,500 feet down a road that says no trespassing, no trespassing. You are being recorded. This guy drove on the property. He even says like, I was waiting for the security guards, but nobody came. So he decided to just to drive and trespass on the property. Why? Because he wanted attention. After we had been swatted, after we had been DDoSed, after we are being attacked and our lives are being threatened, this guy said, I wanna be famous and I'm gonna come on, on, on their property. And so we did. And he walks up to our front door right after the guests had come in, when there was uh when when we were greeting everybody, making sure everyone was taken care of, and that's our fault. That is our fault it happened. I fully accept that. We have we have since gone insane on our security protocols, and now all future guests are gonna be blocked. And, and we've, got to, we've got to do that now because of piece, pieces of garbage who think they can come into our property at a time when we are under attack. And so he does. And then he tries claiming he was invited in. We have security camera footage. He was not invited in. He was not. All right, T guy was chopping onions or something. And he walks in the front door and then starts trying to talk. And apparently our tea guy just thought he was part of James's crew, James O'Keefe's crew. So, that, so, so so we have a guy break into the house. The next day we get swatted. Here's what I didn't tell you. Here's the update. Yesterday morning, we were hit by another DDoS attack. We are under a sustained attack. And this is why I think it needs to be talked about. I know a lot of people are like, don't talk about it. Don't expose what's going on. Don't bring it up. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I think people need to understand this and they need to know what's happening and it is a serious part of the conflict and what i've been warning about for some time so a guy breaks into the house and and he can say whatever he wants we we already talked to the police it's it's a felony it's a very serious felony and because of the swatting we have no choice our hands are tied this guy's likely going to go to prison he admitted everything he made a video about it he bragged about it and he was trying to justify it i guess saying i didn't sneak in the house doesn't matter yo i don't i don't i don't like prison systems I don't like uh, locking people up. I get it. This guy was a fan and he wanted to come and he, and he want and this was his opportunity to get us thinking that that because we wouldn't respond to him, that we would would put him on our shows and all that stuff. Well, guess what? Now the guy's going to go to prison and there's nothing I can do about it. Our hands are tied because of the swatting, because of the DDoS's. we have no choice. We've already talked to the police. You know, look. We get swatted and the cops show up and they start asking questions and I'm pissed off. Because the police published our address. Not not directly, but they basically did. You know, we live in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, on this block, it happened. And I'm like, nobody lives here. There's one address. And so then a guy shows up. Well, now the police, uh, um, this is my presumption based on everything that happened, considering they were the ones who published, they're not the only ones who published their address, but considering after the incident, it created a huge uproar in the area. People were talking about it everywhere. Considering that, some guy tries enter, uh, some guy breaks into the property. The cops were like, it's burglary. It's a felony. We don't care. You know, I think the police out here are upset about the swatting and now swattings. And so they don't want to be taken for fools. So I can only assume that this dude who thought he was going to enter the property, they are, I mean, we're in the DC metro. Uh, this the production studio is in Maryland. We are just on the border of Frederick. I I, I know everybody. You know, I like they're like, why are you telling me where you saying where you are? Look,
1: I it, it's beyond that point. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I live in West Virginia.
0: We're here in this in this county. And this county is where most uh, where a good portion of, you know, prominent D.C. politicos live. People are pissed. So we have this guy under the property illegally. I, I know I said it. The next day in the morning, we got hit by a a DDoS attack again, a cyber attack against our infrastructure. We have intrusion intrusion attempts, people are trying to break into our network. It's just, it's unrelenting. That night, uh, uh, we get swatted. And uh, I won't give details on that, suffice to say. We are armed in this house to the legal extent that Maryland, Maryland allows, but let's just say it's enough and we've talked with police about everything, and we are taking security very very seriously, but there's only so much you can really do i mean people don't get it. there's only so much you can do we are we are going to be relocating to a, a a new a new area with a new building with 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 insane security measures, and we are going to have substantial security we we've been we've been discussion in discussion with major security companies for months now, well before any of this happened all right, but this is it. The, we, we I don't think we've gone a day without facing some kind of attack against us. We get basic secure uh, cybersecurity attacks. We get more serious ones. Uh, I don't want to give too much information on how they operate. And a lot of people have made points about, uh, they've asked questions about how it was even possible that we we're hit by a DDoS attack because you need a lot of private information in order to pull, pull something like that off. And I'm like, bro, the attacks against us are substantive. They're substantial, all right? The swattings, in my opinion, are acts of desperation because previous attempts at coming after us haven't been effective. I think, you know, people need to understand it's not just all starting now. We've had incidents in the past of security breaches and violations, but we've not, you know, they they, they haven't been meaningful enough for me to make a video about and say this stuff's happening. Now, with two separate swatting incidents, with a DDoS attack, with someone breaking out of the property... Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting bad. You know, uh, Stephen Crowder talked about it. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know. You know, I, I, I've mentioned that 2022 is going to get crazy. And um, I guess, you know, Timcast IRL is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know what the ranking is. We're not the biggest podcast in the world. It's kind of crazy to me. Timcast IRL is I, like ranked like 150 on the on the top charts for podcasts or something, maybe higher when you when you take in consideration all podcast platforms, it might be like eighty. But like eighty, what? Like I'm pretty sure the Young Turks have are, are, are bigger on, on podcast platforms. I don't know, man. I guess uh, I guess when it comes to YouTube, however, we are one of the biggest. I don't know, I don't know. You know, when when we host Marjorie Taylor Green, we get hit. Um, when we host Andy Ngo and James O'Keefe, I'm not surprised. I'm not entirely sure it's James O'Keefe, to be honest, because we've had him on the show several times and we enjoy having him on the show. It may be Andy, no, because you know the far left really, really despise him. Well, Andy, we'll have you back on the show anytime and we won't tolerate this and we're not going to back down. But I want people to understand as this is all happening. Uh, first, just to you know, stress and reiterate, talking about this has to be done. Um, when we had the person break into the property, we, we put it in the vlog and we mentioned it, strange man enters the property and, uh, people were like, why are you making content out of it? I look, my, my view of this was we, we just, we discussed it and we said, should we ignore this and cut it out and not let anyone know this happened? And I said, my, my fear is that there's, there's two, two ways to look at it. Some people said by making content about it, you're making it known and you're going to make it worse. And that may be true. I get it. But... It's not the first time that someone has tried coming on the property. We just didn't talk about it last time. And so I said, the problem is, if we don't take this seriously and publicly declare, you will be seriously injured by our dogs and possibly by our security. If you do this, it's not going to stop because other people have done it. And we have had these problems. So I said, put it up, show it, and then I will it proves to people that we're not making this up and, it, and, and, and we're taking it very, very seriously. I want to make sure when we talk about this stuff, everybody knows it's happening. During the show with Mike Rowe, the show went off the air. People were putting F in the chat. It happened. We talk about it. We, we, we made a video about it. We explained what happened. Why? These attacks are not new, they're going to keep happening. And I think regular people, people who are watching, need to understand one: that the conflict is real; that there are st- that, that things are escalating and will probably get crazier. And I don't know where where they'll end up, but it is going to be a crazy year. It won't just be happening to us; it'll be happening to a lot of people. If we dare host the likes of Steve Bannon or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Andy, no, this is what happens: they will try to do to by any means necessary to destroy you. I want people to know it. I want people to know. I also want people to know we take it very, very seriously. I want to make sure it is, be, it, it is beyond a shadow of a doubt. We have warned everyone publicly to an extreme degree. There are large dogs on the property. Large ones. I mean, some people might be familiar with the ones seen in the vlogs, and people may have not seen the other, other dogs, whatever. There's several. Uh, someone who comes here will probably be seriously injured. I don't want to be responsible for that. Someone who breaks onto the property can be killed by security. I don't want that to happen. So some doofy idiot who trespasses on the property for some stupid opportunity at a time when we are dealing with attempted murder is, is one of the stupidest things a person can do, but he's not the first one. He's not the first person to try and do something like this, and now we're taking it more serious than we've ever taken it it's it, you know some people have, have, have said we, sh- we we should build a perimeter fence yeah around a multi a multi-acreage property that's going to cost us a million bucks we don't have that so what we do have is security dogs and guns look man they're they, the, the, the the political conflict in this country is 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 getting crazier and people say you know i see the chats and they're like tim's too pessimistic I see the chats when people say things like Tim has nothing to lose. They're like, Tim's just a rich guy. What does he have to complain about? Easy for him to say. Yeah, easy for me to say when strangers break into my house, when we get swatted within the span of two weeks, when we are undergoing cyber attacks, it is stressful. It's not something I want to deal with. And boy, is it really difficult to justify, to be completely honest, other than my passions, my desires, my drive, and my, and my uh, uh, stubbornness. I'm not going to back down. The more people come at me, the more I just get angry and say, I'll do it again. You're mad that we had Marjorie Taylor Greene on. I'll call her up right now and say, "Come back on the show, come back on. Bring Steve Bannon and Andy. No, we'll do it all at once. Screw these people. You're not stopping me with this." But then I see, I see. You know, I'm not. I'm not stupid enough to to, to just fall for uh, you know one or two comments and believe this is the representative of everybody who watches the show and cares about what we do. But it's funny when I see people saying like Tim talks big game, but he's got nothing to lose. It's like, dude. Someone broke into my house, and it's not, not the first person. We were swatted in the span of two weeks. We, are getting, we get cyber attacks. People have—there's have, there's, there's other things we haven't brought up that haven't been as serious. But yeah, I used to walk through New York, and people would scream, F you, Tim Pool, and things like that. It's like, you think people want this? You think it's worth it? You think I want it? We, we moved to the middle of nowhere. Man, I, I, I talk about all the time how I'd love to just get in the van and go down by the river, right? And just ignore all of this and just chill and be with nature. I'd love to just read books and, and news and science. I'd love to just go skating with some friends and ignore all of the fray. But the reality is, as much as that sounds fun, this is what I'm driven to do. and This is what I care about more. I care about this stuff. I, I refuse to back down. I, I, I am obstinate. I am, I am angry. I will not be bullied. I don't care. What they do, you will just make me dig in my heels twice as hard. So you know what I'll do? I, I will hit up Marjorie Taylor Greene and Steve Bannon and Andy No and James O'Keefe. And I'll say, can we get everybody just to come on all at once? And we, go, we can all give a big collective F you to, to, to the people who are watching, who are trying to tell us no. I'm not saying I agree with Steve Bannon's opinions on everything. I appreciate the populism. Same for Marjorie Taylor Greene. But I argue with them about these ideas. And they have the nerve to try and get us killed over this stuff. You're not going to stop us. You're not going to stop me. You're going to make me push twice as hard. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to make sure everybody knows. Yeah, man, I don't know. It's frustrating. You know, there's people who think, you know, I'll see comments and people say, like, there's no civil war. It's not happening. It's not true. I'll see people say Tim isn't risking anything he's just a rich guy in a mansion and it's and it's just you know when we were when we started this show we were in a uh, like four bedroom house in the suburbs of Philadelphia it's not some big mansion and we got a loan to move to the middle of nowhere in a bigger house because we're expanding the business and I, I, yeah, it's a big house it is it's a very expensive big house yeah it's a mansion sure but we use it as an office. It's not like I personally just live in this gigantic mansion, you know. So, uh, uh, I, 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 my house is like a two-bedroom, and then we have the production facility for the company. But yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll say it outright. Like, yeah, we make good money. Sure. Is it worth it for me? What you guys need to understand about me is that I grew up. You guys know, not in the in the in the wealthiest of conditions. I've never needed anything like this. But, but, you know, there are people who just, they, they don't get it. They think that everything that's going on is a game. They think it's silly. They're like, you know, oh, Tim's too pessimistic or, or stuff like that. There's, there's no chance of civil conflict. Okay, dude, you can believe what you want to believe. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what to think. You can not like me. That's fair and that's fine. You can criticize me. Comment below. Tell me what you don't like about me. I'm just some dude talking to a camera. That's all I am. I run a business now, I guess. Maybe that's something. James O'Keefe called me a powerful individual. I'm like, that sounds crazy to me. But he's not wrong. I don't know. I just don't care for it. I don't care for power. I don't want to be anywhere near it. I just want to watch the chickens eat the food and run around and chase each other when they find bugs. I want to make a snowman. I want the world to be a better place. I'm watching squirrels frolic back and forth in the fields and the deer. I appreciate that way more than sticking my neck out and getting involved in this major conflict. But... It's a drive. It has to be done. We have to talk about it. We have to challenge it. Otherwise, there won't be a world where you can tend to your chickens and have a good day. Because we see what happens in these countries when bad people take over. I, I know about what happens in North Korea. I've, I've interviewed people who've been there, who travel there, who are even from there. They kill you if you steal food. They put you in gulags. If you have a cow on a farm in North Korea and it dies, you can't touch it. They have to come and distribute the beef equally among all people. It's just insane and stupid. And all that is required for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. And so every day I see the news, my entire life I see this stuff, I get angry and I say, we got to do something about it. We got to stand up, we got to challenge these systems and we got to fight to retain our liberty. Somebody has to, to defend the the, the human rights of the individual, the civil rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all of that stuff. Because if we don't, The evil people take over, and they will live atop their ivory towers and their castles, and they will beat you down, and you will suffer. And they want to do it to me, and they want to do it to us, and they're hoping that by doing everything they're doing, they will break us, and we will stop, and it will not happen. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to have all the people on that have triggered this, and we're going to reinforce our security, and we're going to do it again, and we won't stop. I'll never stop. There's nothing you can do. You know, to the people who are saying we shouldn't talk about it, I get it. Don't bring up this happened. Don't show the guy. Don't talk about the cyber attacks. Just keep it under wraps. And I'm just like, I get it. But, but I, I refuse, you know, I refuse to be told to shut, to shut up and, and not explain this stuff to people. There, there's, there's a lot of stuff pertaining to, you know, drama and things like that that I don't care to talk about when it involves me and involves other people. And sometimes I do. It just depends. I don't know how I determine when it should or shouldn't be. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not getting involved in this. And sometimes I'm like, this should, we should address. And it's usually, does it have something to do with the bigger picture here? All of this does. When I come out and I say, guys, I think this country is being ripped apart. People say, you're too pessimistic. And I'm like, I'm not making it up when Hawaii now requires a booster to enter the state. Or when California says they're going to double their taxes. Or when California is, is setting an open borders policy. When New York has a vaccine, when Cook County does. When people are being denied. I mean, this stuff is happening. Do you think it's going to stop? I mean, people are going insane. And then it comes to my front door and I'm just like, yo... It is happening. And it's happening to me. Maybe it's not happening to you. And that's why you don't notice. But I gotta say, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I, I, you know, I can understand people who say they have kids so they can't get involved in the fight. They're scared. They don't wanna, you know, all that stuff. I get it. Yeah, I, I understand. Why would you want your kids in a house getting swatted? Well, all of us here, the employees my family we're dealing with all of it if you don't want to take the risks i get it but you think i should do you do you do you think i should do you think it's 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 fair that everything we go through we can't just go to bed you know that right like you know to the naysayers i'm not saying this to everyone directly i know a lot of people uh, you know For the most part, have been supportive. But I'm saying to those who are the naysayers, like, do you think that when like the day is done, I can just like hop in my bed with a smile on my face? Or do you think I have to have weapons prepped and a security protocol because someone might try and kill us? Because we could get swatted in the middle of the night. It's not so simple, you know. And it's gonna get crazier this year. So I hope you all understand. And I hope it never and I hope you never experience stuff like this. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at one PM on this channel. And I'll see you all then. There are many 5G conspiracy theories. One crackpot conspiracy is that the vaccine is a microchip of sorts or some kind of ferritin that will be activated upon completion of 5G cell towers. It's absurd. I'm sorry. It's just not reality. Okay, there's always a weird possibility and astronomical odds that these things could be true, but it's just not. You know, I'll tell you this. Every time a new generation of cell networks comes out, we get crazy conspiracy theories about what what they're going to do and what fifth generational technology is and multi-gig, five gigahertz, whatever. Okay. But the one conspiracy no one considered was that in order to enact the Green New Deal, which called for banning air travel, 5G would be rolled out, causing problems with airline altimeters, making it so these planes must be shut down. And here we are. A bunch of airlines are delaying or outright canceling flights because of the rollout of 5G cell technology. I do not believe there's any actual Green New Deal conspiracy. It's a joke, but sure, they'll run with it anyway because humor is lost on these establishment journalist types. But basically what's happening is a bunch of cell companies, they want to roll out 5G technology, which will increase our data rates on our phones. Cool. But airplanes, the big jets use a similar bandwidth of uh, radio frequency, and there may be interference with the new 5G towers. So they're going to be delaying indefinitely the rollout of some of these towers. A bunch of airlines are recoiling. And I, I do think if there actually is any kind of conspiracy, it's probably just lies. I think there's a, there's a good possibility that airlines are just suffering from COVID. Travel has become a lot harder. A lot of people don't want to travel. A lot of people don't want to fly wearing masks. There are labor shortages. And so it is particularly convenient for these airlines to be like, oh, 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 geez, we have to shut down. Because there's no real conspiracy when you think about why it's happening. One of the causes of the big of the big delays and shutdowns we saw over the holidays was not just that many of the employees, these companies were getting COVID, but it was because they, they were bumping into federal regulation limits on how much a person in the airline industry can work. I talked with a pilot. He told me that there's a limit. You're only allowed to fly so many hours. I mean, they don't want you to be fatigued and tired and crash a plane, right? So what happens is as people get sick or call out or quit their jobs, the remaining pilots are reaching their federal limit of how much they can actually fly. And then these airlines are forced to delay or cancel flights. Now they have another excuse, 5G towers. But come on. How did they not know this was going to be happening? How did they not coordinate with the FAA or Pete Buttigieg, who's supposed to be in charge of this stuff, I guess, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's not him. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is really simple in that we have a major crisis because airline industry screwed this one up and nobody coordinated properly on what this was going to be when it rolled out. Or maybe there's a little bit of this. If the airlines were already stressed and strained, and we know that's true, and now they're just like, look- We've already got enough people stretched to their limit. Let's just call this one and cancel some flights. What I mean to say is they wanted to cancel flights given the opportunity, but probably wouldn't have because of the 5G rollout. They said, eh, we can stand to reduce some hours. Let's let's roll with it. Well, let's read the story and see what's going on with the new 5G conspiracy. The Daily Mail reports, AT&T and Verizon have launched their 5G networks across the U.S., but it has sparked travel chaos due to dozens of flights being canceled and then resumed when the rollout was suddenly halted near airports over flying safety fears. The rollout has gone ahead with 4,500 towers, but 500 that are near 88 unspecified airports are not being turned on due to fears the frequency they emit could interfere with aircraft radar technology. The pause on those towers was only decided yesterday afternoon, by which point some international airlines had canceled flights using Boeing 777 aircraft, which were of highest concern. We have the list. For those that are seeking to travel, let me break it down for you. Which flights have been canceled or changed already? Delta said in a statement that it expects some flights to be canceled, but the airline will not say which or why. Emirates has uh, Emirates flights, all of them, To and from these airports, Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Miami, Newark, New Jersey, Orlando, Florida, San Francisco, and Seattle. The airlines' flights to LAX, New York, and Dulles are still operating. All Nippon. 20 passenger and cargo flights scheduled on Boeing 777s from Haneda to Narita Airports in Japan to the U.S. through Thursday. Japan Airlines, Air India, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Korean Airlines, Austrian Airlines, Germany's Lufthansa are all being shut down to some degree. They go on to say... As a result of the halt, the airlines, which are based in different time zones, heard the news at varying times throughout the night, are scrambling to resume flights. The result is a thickening headache at airports where the chaos is playing out in cancellations, staff shortages, and a lack of the right planes in the right place at the right time. United has canceled 20 flights in and out of Newark already. Safety is always our priority. We are monitoring the situation in the U.S. closely and will continue to review our schedule in the next few hours. We're disappointed that some of our customers are facing potential disruption and we'll update them as soon as possible on any changes to their travel plans, a spokesman told dailymail.com. Now look, a lot of people are calling out the Biden administration saying Pete Buttigieg, he's he's what the the transportation guy, he's supposed to be on top of this. He's supposed to be looking at potential impacts in in travel and, you know, shipping and and deal with it. He didn't. We have shipping shortages. I mean, look, let's be real. Pete Buttigieg was given a job because he bowed out during the primary and endorsed Joe Biden. That's it. He's unqualified for the position, and thus we all suffer. Now, whether or not this was specifically his purview, I don't know for sure. I think to a certain degree we can say that, yeah, you know, the Biden administration should be tracking major industries like this and basically preparing for something like this. And they didn't do it. Let's just be real, man. The Biden administration is an unmitigated disaster. It's, it's, it's a disaster, and it's getting worse. His approval rating is in the gutter. People don't identify, don't identify as Democrats anymore, and it's, and it's fairly obvious. So for those that are curious, here's what they're saying. This graphic shows how the wireless spectrum used by 5G networks could interfere with altimeters, which measure a plane's altitude and is especially important for low-visibility operations. The CEOs of the airlines have asked officials for, uh, that the 5G be implemented everywhere in the country except within the approximate two miles of the airport, of airport runways and some key airports. And that means, for, for a, to a degree, outside the airports, you will not have particularly good cell coverage. Well, I mean, 4G is not that bad. But here we can see this drawing of a little airplane. And the radar altimeter sig- signal uses, they say, it uses 4.2 to 44 gigahertz range. 5G signals are in a similar wavelength range as those used by altimeters. Let me just point out, all right? Let me just tell you. This should have been taken care of a long time ago. This should have been uh, under the Trump administration. This should have been taken care, of a long, take, taken care of a long time ago. The Biden administration should have taken care of this. I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh the, the, the federal government is supposed to be monitoring this kind of stuff when because what you need to, what you need to know about uh, Wavelength is that it's publicly owned and it's licensed that it's auctioned off and you get it for a certain amount of time. So companies like AT&T and Verizon are like, hey, we want to use these signals. Then the government has to look at who's using these these radar frequencies and then they license them out because you could, if you if you start using these frequencies, cause serious problems. So one of the reasons why airplanes, they tell you to turn your phone off or put in airplane mode because your phones can interfere with the plane's instruments. It was crazy, one time I was on a plane. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on US. Mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active mint customers by five thirty one twenty-four. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
0: And we were sitting on the tarmac, we're about to take off, and they go. Whoever has their cell phone turned on, please turn it off. And then we waited a few minutes, and, the, and then they come back on. They were like, someone still has a cell phone on. And I was like, wow. You know, because a lot of people say that it's, it's, it's BS. They just say, turn off all electronic devices. Then, they would, then people were like, oh, they don't need you to do it. I, I don't know. I was on a plane, and they were like, someone's doing it. Maybe it was just because they saw the Wi-Fi, and they were like, we don't want to risk it. Or maybe they actually knew that somebody's phone was on. But... Suffice it to say, the airline industry is crumbling. I mean, it is. Just think about this story. I mean, the 5G conspiracy nonsense aside, we've been talking about flight cancellations, labor shortages for months now. How, how, how many flight disruptions in the, have we had in the news cycle? And then I throw it back to the Green New Deal. If we're going to get into the idea of the Great Reset and the goals of the, the Davos Group, the World Economic Forum, Certainly, one of their issues is they don't like air travel. All of these planes flying around, they don't like it. It's, 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 it burns fuel. It makes carbon emissions and things like that. Well, we know that AOC talked about in the Green New Deal, at least in our FAQs, I believe, that until we can get people to stop flying and maybe build trains, we are going to have you know, carbon in these problems. These people want to get rid of all this stuff. So, surprise, surprise, one of the things collapsing is the airline industry. Take a look at this story from only a couple weeks ago from Fortune. The Omicron airline collapse keeps getting worse. Here's how and when things should get better. Oh, they'll get better, you say. Yeah, well, they're not. It's been a couple weeks and now there's a whole new problem. Fortune writes thousands more flights were canceled across the country on New Year's Eve in the wake of a second straight day in which the U.S. shattered its record for daily COVID cases. Flight statuses are at the mercy of the Omicron variant and the weather right now, said Charlie Leocha. President of Travelers United. No airline was spared from cancellations Friday, though some were hit harder than others. 17% of Allegiant Air flights were canceled. Another 9% were delayed, according to FlightAware. To put that in perspective, prior to the pandemic, 2.5% of U.S. flights were canceled in 2019, according to the Bureau of Transportation stats. The increased cancellations Fridays come after millions of Americans are returning from their first holiday traveling since before the pandemic, just as the Omicron variant went from accounting for 12.6% of all purported U.S. cases of COVID to 73.2. That combined with an increase in airline staffers contracting the virus contributed to a week in which airlines around the world were forced to cancel thousands of flights each day. In some parts of the country, severe weather also impacted flights. They keep saying that. Severe weather. When this was going down, there was no severe weather. Prior to this, there, there had been other big news about airline cancellations, and they said, oh, it's uh, um, uh, weather. What had happened was that uh, there was a breaking news story. People were spreading rumors that pilots at Southwest and other airlines were rejecting the vaccine mandate and refusing to work, bowing out, shutting down these flights. The establishment spokespeople came out and said, this is not true. It's just inclement weather. And so people checked the national radar forecasting map and said, where? There's no bad weather. Now, the official explanation was there was some bad weather in like the Pacific Northwest. And what that means is a flight in Florida, which needs to fly to Nebraska and then carry on to Seattle, can't move. So the flight there is delayed because it's destination. It's not just about that one airport. It's about the af- after the airports, it's also about the planes coming from Seattle to Miami, who that, I don't know if they have a route that way, but you get, you get the point, from one city to Miami, and that's the plane you would use for your flight to New York, it doesn't make it, so that all the flights get disrupted, I gotta tell you, I used to fly twice a week, no joke, from 2014 to 2016, I was on two planes every week. On average maybe it's maybe it's better to say about a one and a half because there were some you know some weeks where I wouldn't travel that much but on I, I think I flew like a hundred times um in that year or just about so it was like twice a week I was flying never did I experience anything like this I was in I think I was in Dallas Fort Worth and there was a major storm it was so bad that all of the lightning lights turn on you ever see these at the airports they have lights above the gates that turn on when lightning is detected because workers on the ground can't go outside if there is lightning. I used to work at O'Hare and they told us this. If you see the lights turn on, you get off. Because we don't want you getting struck by lightning and not worth it. That means everything gets grounded when there's lightning. Nobody, want, nobody wants to deal with it, but it happens. So when I'm flying, I'm on American and they delay all of our flights. It didn't, it, it didn't cause this level of disruption. It was a major storm. We were stuck, we got delayed for like an hour, and then we got on our plane and we left. This is something else. How many times do we need to have stories of major cancellations and delays, regardless of the circumstances, to at the very least just say the Green New Deal people are getting what they want? Airlines are collapsing for a variety of reasons. I don't get, now, now, uh, uh, I think it's fair to point out, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to think that something else is going on. Because what are the chances that we have a labor strike? Not really a labor strike, bad weather. Then we get another labor shortage. Oh, that's COVID and bad weather. And now we have 5G towers and bad weather. Or maybe someone's just going to be like, yo, if in the span of three months, the airlines keep shutting down, something else may be at play here. I think it's fair to say labor shortages are probably the underlying condition here. No grand conspiracy. And I don't think they want that front and center. I don't think they want people to... to, I don't don't think they want to go out and tell you the economy is collapsing, will likely be totally collapsed, or just hyperinflation is on the way. They want to stem the, the, the bleed, essentially. If right now... So, you know, Biden comes out and he goes, listen... You know, come on, man. The the, the economy is being propped up by by duct tape. That's a house of cards. This whole system blew up in 2008. And it's over. It's all over. People would lose their minds. They'd go out. They'd smash stuff. They'd steal stuff. So what what it looks like to me when you look at the M1 money stock, since the 2008 crash, it's been insane. You know, Obama did that stimulus pumping money into the system. Then we get the pandemic trying to, what, great reset the system because it's completely broken. And now it's just getting worse. The M1 money stock shows we went off, we free fall in, 20, in 2020 because they basically said savings accounts are now checking accounts and people could just freely spend from them, which just disrupts the whole system. So anyway, look, 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 back to, back to the airlines. I think what's really happening is people aren't working. People aren't working and they're trying to come up with reasons to explain it away because if they came out and said, there's no labor force anymore and we can't fix it, The system would collapse faster. That's why you see a lot of these stock guys. You know, like in 2008, when the economy was on the verge of exploding, like 2007, they were like, the economy is better than ever. Buy, buy, buy. Hoping that by convincing people it was good and to buy, they would, and it would would stave off the collapse. In reality, all it did was allow the wealthy to extract money and resources from the poor who were then left holding the bag. And I feel like that's what's happening now. Not in terms of just the airlines, but with all the major labor shortages, they shut down small businesses, they allow big box stores to remain open, and what happens is that the wealthy ultra elites are having their assets and resources protected, they're gaining wealth, Bezos, Bill Gates, all of these people have seen a massive increase in wealth, while the poor suffer, struggle to get around, can't travel anymore, can't find work, and uh, you will own nothing, and you will be happy. This is meme. And uh, I think it's great. It was uh, someone they said it was someone purporting to be from Poland. They said in Poland we had nothing and we were very unhappy. And it's a picture of you know Poland was was a Soviet satellite, and you can see the stores are empty except for like five items. And you'd walk into a store, this big store with with shelves completely empty, and you'd walk up to the communist person working their communist job and say, "What can I have?" And they'd be like, "We have flour. That's it. That's what you eat." I went to Ukraine been there several times. Amazing country, by the way. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And my friend was explaining to me wafer cake. It's what they serve with coffee. You'll order coffee and you'll get this little wafer with condensed, and condensed milk in between layered. And what my friend said was during the Soviet Union, all they had was milk and flour. So what they would do is they would take the milk and they would cook it down into like caramel, basically, and then take the thin wafers and pour the caramel between it to make cake because that was all they could do instead of making a big fluffy enriched bread cake or brioche it would just be condensed milk between very thin wafers that's the reality of the soviet union when i look at all this stuff when i look at the labor shortage when i look at the collapse when i look at their excuses and even if it is you know 5g doing it regardless we can see the airlines are are going up in flames and that means your travel is going away but isn't isn't it interesting let me just let me just let me just say isn't it interesting That at a time when we hear Mark Zuckerberg talking about the metaverse, heavily investing in this virtual world, airlines are struggling. There's mass cancellations. They become um, become unreliable. The Green New Deal. It said air travel's bad. Now we have the Great Reset, whatever you want to call it. We have industry collapsing, airlines collapsing, and Mark Zuckerberg to the rescue. Hey, man, put on your metaverse goggles and have your meetings in the digital world. Well, a lot of people might want to do that, I guess. I'm not saying it's a great conspiracy. I'm not saying they're colluding. I'm saying all of these market forces are happening around the same time. And in fact, you could just say it's market forces. As there is a collapse in airlines, Zuckerberg's like, now's our chance. If someone can't travel from Chicago to New York, metaverse is the answer. Everybody can wear their goggles and have their meetings in a little virtual room and they'll have their little virtual avatars and you could be a rabbit or a carrot or a giraffe or a pumpkin or whatever you want to be in the metaverse. I think this is where we're going. Transhumanism, I don't know. But I don't think people are going to want to deal with airlines. I think in response to the collapse we've seen over the past several months of these airlines, more and more people are being pressured into using virtual uh, software, Zoom, Zoom. I mean look at what happened with the pandemic. They did a it was a great reset. It was a great reset of everything these past 2 years. And now Fauci's coming out and saying we're only in phase 1 of a five-phase pandemic. By the end of this, assuming there is an end, you will live in the pod, you will eat the bugs, and you will work in the metaverse. You won't leave your pod, you won't travel. In the big cities, you'll live in your cubicle. Why? Because humans are farting themselves to death, destroying this planet. And that's the way they see it. And that's the world they're going to craft for you. And they don't care. The elites, the establishment, the people who run these corporations, they view you as a chicken in a chicken coop. They don't care about your individual thoughts. They don't care about you as a person. And I got to be honest, I can certainly understand a bit of that sentiment. I mean, come on, you all listening, you've encountered dumb people, right? You see them online all day, every day, and you wonder how it is these people survive. Useless eaters, that's the conspiracy theory term, I guess. There are many people, mostly in big cities, that contribute nothing to society. They don't farm, they don't cook, they're not self-sufficient. And what do we do? Do we just grow for the sake of growing? Do we tolerate for the sake of tolerance? Or do we tell people it's time to be personally responsible? If you don't want to produce to help society, you don't have to. That's your choice. But you're going to live in the pod, and you're going to eat the bugs. And for those of us that are willing to be more self-sufficient, I move out to the middle of nowhere. I get chickens. We grow, we grow vegetables in the, in the springtime, and we try to be as reliant on ourselves as possible and relying on the system less. It's impossible for the most part, but we try, right? Maybe that's where things need to go. People need to be responsible more for their own food, for their own shelter, for their own electricity. Otherwise, I'll tell you what. You live in the pod, and you eat the bugs. No air travel for you. Get in the metaverse. seems where we're going, right? I don't know if there's a path away from this other than moving out to the middle of nowhere. It seems like if you live in a city, that's your future. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.